Liverpool Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Paul Leslie Hour. This time around, I have an interview with a biographer. This is an interview with Brad Menard. This week, I'm going to be seeing Jimmy Buffett in concert. He's going to be in Alpharetta, Georgia. A lot of you may know that my show began on Jimmy Buffett's radio Margaritaville more than 15 years ago. Whenever I think about Jimmy Buffett, I think of one of my most memorable interviews, and that was with the late Captain Tony Terracino. You're going to be hearing more about him in just a little bit. Captain Tony has sadly passed away, but when I interviewed Captain Tony Terracino, there was a man who was in the office where the interview was taking place, a man named Brad Menard, Captain Tony's biographer. The name of the book that Brad wrote is entitled Life Lessons of a Legend, and he co-wrote it with Captain Tony Terracino, and it's the story of Captain Tony, who is sometimes known as the Salt of Key West. A lot of people ask me about Captain Tony, and they want to know what made him so special. What did he do? I think an easier question would be, what did Captain Tony not do? As a young man, he was a gambler. He fled New Jersey from the mob. In his life, he was a fishing and charter boat captain in Key West. He owned Captain Tony's Saloon, located on Green Street in Key West, the oldest bar in Florida. His best friends included Tennessee Williams, Truman Capote, Shel Silverstein, and Mel Fisher, just to name a few. The 1970s movie Cuba Crossing was made about his trip to Cuba to transport government assassins. Captain Tony was the surrogate father of singer-songwriter Jimmy Buffett and the inspiration behind his classic song, Last Mango in Paris, which is one of my personal favorites and the favorite of many fans. Captain Tony was elected mayor of Key West in 1989 at 73 years old. He was also a very prolific man. He fathered 13 children, with 50 years separating the oldest and youngest child. Most importantly, I believe Captain Tony was a storyteller, perhaps one of the best, and everyone who met Captain Tony loved him. Brad Menard and I share an affection for the late Captain Tony Terracino, and we talk about the book, which I highly recommend. I hope you all enjoy. Please let me know what you think. Our special guest is Mr. Brad Menard. Along with Captain Tony Terracino, he authored the book Life Lessons of a Legend. So first of all, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us. Oh, it's my great pleasure. Anytime I can talk about Tony and the book, that's pretty exciting. I was hoping you could give us a little bit of background on you as a person. Where were you born? Well, actually, I'm uh, from uh, Iowa. I was born in Burlington and uh, lived in Nebraska for a lot of years, and now I'm a school superintendent in Iowa. And how did you become acquainted with Captain Tony Terracino? Well, it happened uh, very much like a lot of people met Tony. I was in Key West on vacation and wandered into the bar one afternoon, and there he sat, and we started talking. And I was having a nice conversation, and he pointed over at my wife and said, you know, is that uh, your wife over there? And I said, yeah, it is. And he said, you're kind of an overachiever, aren't you? And (laughs) we, we laughed, and he waved my wife over, and 
ended up talking to her more than me, but that's how we made that first connection. <laughs> what was your first impression of Captain Tony? I had been to Buffett concerts and listened to Jimmy talk about him. I had known a little bit about his background, but my first impression was he was just a really personable guy. He just wanted to talk and really share things with you. We just hit it off and started talking right away and had had a great conversation. We talked for an hour the first night, and then we came back the second night and ended up talking about three hours. Of course, that was in between people coming up and getting autographs and things like that. Really a genuine person. What you were just talking about as far as him talking, uh, all the listeners can check out your website, and that's bradmenard.com, www.bradmenard.com, M-A-N-A-R-D. And it was listing all the different things that made Captain Tony who he was, all of his accomplishments. And I was thinking, Mm -hmm. why was Captain Tony so known? What did he do? And then I was thinking a better question would be, what did he not do? (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that he was most adept at, I think, was being a storyteller. Yeah. You know, I uh, kind of looked at it the same way. I, when I started thinking about this book, I looked at all of the things Tony done and uh, some of the ways that people looked at him as um, kind of a character. And, and uh, he'd, he'd done some things with gambling and gun running and having 13 children with eight different women. And you really wondered how this guy could be so revered and loved in Key West. So I really took the approach that I wanted to find out what it was about him that made him so special. And we started talking, and I found out that there are three things that he did with everybody as, as he visited with them. One, he, he always focused on compassion. He said that uh, compassion is the most important word in the dictionary, and if everybody lived with compassion, we'd have a better world. And he always sought the jewel in every soul, uh, he said, when you find the, ju- the jewel in the person, you find the treasure in the person. And every time he left Tony, he, he shared a word of kindness. He said something nice that made you feel better. And sometimes it was uh, kind of risque, and sometimes it was fun, but he always made you feel better. So when people left him, they always left backing away. They were always facing him, saying their last goodbyes. That really made him pretty special. That's one thing that's for certain about Captain Tony. You never could forget him if you met him. And one thing, one thing that I noticed about him is if a group of people came into the bar to talk, in every group there's the one person that's the loudest and the most flashy and I don't know, whatever. But I noticed the one thing about Captain Tony is he always seemed to talk to the person that was a little bit reserved and quiet. You know, he could read people. I watched him do that time after time. And he would start conversations, and in a matter of, 30 seconds, he'd know what he could do and what he could say and what that person was like, and he'd draw them in. It was amazing like that. So I was hoping you could tell us, what is something about Captain Tony that a lot of the people that maybe met him at the bar would be surprised to know? You know, the thing that I have learned about Tony is I have gotten to know his family. Um, When you hear he has 13 children by eight different women, you think maybe he was kind of that uh, boat captain that had a woman in every port and and a child in every port and just went on and sailed about. But he had a very close family. And I just had the opportunity the first weekend in April to go down to his youngest son, TJ's wedding down in Key West. And TJ's 23 and his oldest son, uh, Louie, is 73. So there's a 50-year difference between those kids. And there were nine of the 13 kids there at the uh, wedding. And 
they are so close as a family. They know each other. They share time with each other. I went out one night to dinner with three of his daughters and their spouses and uh, my wife, and uh, all three of the uh, daughters were by different uh, mothers, and they were close and laughing and carrying on. He really had a family that was close and a family that he cared deeply about. And it's just, it was a surprise to me to learn that despite all of these women in his life and despite the many children by the different women, he still was managed to make that into a very close-knit family. Very interesting. I was hoping you could tell us, how did you go from listening to, to Captain Tony tell you these stories? How did the idea go from just thinking, wow, this is an amazing storyteller and a man who's lived an incredible life to this needs to be a book? That was an interesting situation. When I first met him, it was in June about six years ago. And we, of course, were in Key West, and he started telling stories. And I went home, and I wrote a uh, story about some of the things he told me. And I sent it to him. And I'd done a lot of writing, and I always wanted to do a book. And, and so I went back in October for Meeting of the Minds. I got there a few days early and, and contacted him, and he and I kind of hung out together and visited about some different things. And I brought up this idea of the book, and he seemed to like it. And then I didn't hear from him for a long time. And I think it was in February he called me, and he'd been in the hospital. He'd had a, a pacemaker put in. He'd had pneumonia. And he said, you know, Brad, I'm not going to live forever. Let's tell the world about my philosophy. Let's write this book. And so uh, we started working on an agreement to do that. And I went down in June and spent 10 days with him. And he just, he'd tell me stories every day. We'd spend about a half day telling stories. And then I'd hang out with him at the bar or do something in the evening with him. And, and it was just a wonderful time. And I went back two more times to get more information and, and interview him more and uh, then some things over the phone. But it was an incredible opportunity to visit and hear those stories in a very um, almost private situation where he, it was just he and I face-to-face. In those days that you spent together, what is your most vivid memory? You know, there's all these things that happened, but my most, most vivid memory was sitting uh, one day talking, and we were in my uh, little uh, bed and breakfast room, and he was in a wicker chair with his legs crossed, and uh, I had a Diet Coke, and he had a Diet uh, 7-Up, I believe it was, and it was just he and I in this little room talking. There was just something special about the uniqueness of this, that, that he was just sharing and opening up and carrying on, and um, it was really neat to have that private time. But the other thing that was pretty special, there's one story in the book about uh, being in the bar, and there was a lady who was an English teacher in Ohio, and she came up and started challenging him. And it was like she didn't think he was well-read or would know anything and, and was kind of a woman's uh, man and, and, uh, or a lady's man. And, and uh, so she was kind of challenging all of this. And he started talking about Shakespeare with her. And they started sharing Shakespeare stories about Shakespeare plays that they had read. And he just drew her in. And I watched him draw her in, and I watched by the end of that conversation, she was in love with Tony Terracino. She thought he was the greatest guy she'd ever met. (laughs) He's certainly one of the most fascinating people that we've ever interviewed on this show. So I have to ask, what is it about him that you think draws so many people, in addition to what you've said already? 
Well, I, he always, uh, every time we visited, he told me it's the people that it's all about. And, and that goes back to compassion, seek the jewel, and share a word of kindness that he just did that. And he focused in on people. When he was mayor of Key West, he said, my job at that time was to be the father of 28,000 people. And that's the way he approached being mayor. So he really cared about people. And he just, he just thrived on being around people and sharing stories and helping them. You know, in Buffett's song, The Last Night on Paris, he says, there's still so much to be done. And that's what he told me. He said, there's just so many things we can do for people and, and make this world better. So you've just got to keep doing those good things. From him telling you the stories and then you writing the book, when the book was finished, what was his reaction to it? This was really uh, interesting because we knew Tony's uh, health was failing, and it had been about a four-year, five-year process of putting this book together. And you know, Of course, I work full-time in my job, and it just wasn't something that we could spend a lot of time on every day. And so finally, we decided to go ahead and put the book out because I wanted it to be in his hands while he was still alive. And we got it in his hands on October 5th. And he was in the hospital at the time, and his wife, Marty, took it to him, and she said that was one of the best days of her life, was to walk in and show him the cover of that book. And he had uh, time then, uh, after he got out of the hospital, to autograph books and take them around and share them with people, and he gave a bunch out to friends in Key West, and it was really pretty special for him to do that. And then um, on uh, the 28th of October, he was back in the hospital, and that was the official release date of the book. So we did a book release in the hospital, and they set it all up, and hospital employees came down, and he sold 73 books that day, and Tony was just on top of the world. He, he just loved that, and, you know, for an hour and a half, he was his old self. He was flirting with the girls and telling stories and signing autographs. Then four days later, I got a call as I finished a book signing at uh, Captain Tony's saloon that he had passed away, and his wife, when she called me, told me that uh, the book had made the last month of his life one of the best months of his life. And, uh, boy, that meant as much to me as anything. This is going to sound like a corny question and kind of, I don't know, it's going to seem cheesy, but I wanted to ask this since I read the book. When I got the mm-hmm. book, I, re- I read it almost in one night. I loved it. So, <laughs> Great, thank you. Do you think that there are things in our lives that are meant to be? You know, I wondered about that in meeting Tony. Today I did a presentation to 33 superintendents in Iowa about this book and about Tony's life lessons, and I and I was thinking about that myself. And you know, my life changed significantly the day I met Tony Terracino, and I was able to achieve one of my life goals in writing a book and getting it out there. And he helped me do that. I can't imagine what my life would have been like without having that experience. And so I just think it was one of those things where he and I came together at the right time in the right place. He told me the first time we met, he looked at me and he said, Brad, we're going to do good things together. And, you know, I always thought that was kind of cheesy too, but in the end we really did, and and that's been pretty special. Pretty special for me, and I think he was honored to have the book written and, and get it out there and be able to experience that in the last month of his life. I remember when we interviewed Captain Tony, it was at Al Al Kelly's law office, and one of the things he said in the interview was he said, there's really nothing special about me. Yeah, he he liked to put it that way. He liked to be the normal guy because, you know, he grew up in the ghettos of uh, Elizabeth, New Jersey, and he he ended up in Key West because he was on the run from the mob. 
He didn't think he was special, but you cannot affect the number of people you do in your lives and not have something special about you. And he really was a special person. What do you hope that people that read Life Lessons of a Legend get out of the book? You know, I think a lot of people have been surprised at uh, the book um, and the lessons that are in it. I think a lot of people met Tony and have known Tony or knew of Tony and, uh, and knew his history, but they might not have gotten into the depth of the person that I had the opportunity to get into. And what they've emailed me and told me as I've talked to them is that it really made them reflect on their lives and reflect on how they deal with people and how they approach people and thinking about compassion and thinking about seeking the jewel and, and sharing those words of kindness. And I think that people that do read that book take those lessons to heart and think of how they uh, react to people and how they deal with people in their daily lives. And I think that would make Tony very happy. You mentioned uh, before we started the interview that there is a different version of the book that's available on Amazon.com and is going to soon be available in bookstores. I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about that. It's uh, really basically the same book throughout the chapters. But uh, with Tony's death on uh, November 1st of 2008, I put in an in memoriam. And what that was about, not only did he pass away on November 1st and Marty called me, but it was during Meeting of the Minds, a band that I used to play in here in uh, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, called the Cedar Island Band, was playing uh, a Meeting of the Minds. We went down and announced his death while they were playing. And I remember Doug Rassler, the lead singer, singing the song magnificently, singing Last Mango of Paris, his tears were streaming down his face, and all those people out there with their cups raised to him. And, and then we went down to Captain Tony's, and his three oldest children were there, uh, Louis, Tony, and Richard. Uh, and uh, they're 73, uh, 71, and 65, and and uh, they were there honoring his father. And, and then uh, I came back to the funeral the following weekend, and uh, the family welcomed me in as one of the family, and they closed off Green Street in front of Captain Tony's saloon, and they let 21 doves go, and the last one flew around and landed on the top of Captain Tony's saloon and just watched things for a while. And it was just a really surreal experience that whole two-week period. And so what I did is added an in-memoriam talking about that experience that I think really honored both Tony and his family and the citizens of Key West that loved him so dearly, as, as well as all the parrotheads out there. So that's added to the book, and uh, the reaction to that has been uh, pretty positive. People have appreciated having that last little glimpse into the experiences and the feelings that he left people with. I'd like to tell all the listeners out there about the website again. It's bradmenard.com, M-A-N-A-R-D. There's something on there. It's a graphic, and it's in your handwriting. It's something that you hand wrote, and it says, Captain Tony's wisdom to us all. Fill your heart with compassion. Seek the jewel in every soul. Share a word of kindness. Yeah, that uh, is the chorus to a song I wrote based on the book. And the night Tony passed away, I wrote it on the bathroom wall in Captain Tony's saloon, kind of as a tribute to him. And I think that's probably the picture you're seeing is what was written on that bathroom wall. And boy, you know, it just it just says it all about Tony and the message he wanted to leave in the life lessons he wanted us all to be able to share. It's obvious that Captain Tony has changed your life, but I was hoping you yes. could tell us in what in what way. You know, there's all those ways that you see about, you know, the notoriety and things like that because you've written a book, but what it's really done for my life is, uh, i give you an example. The first time I 
spent 10 days with Tony interviewing and I came back to the uh, Chicago airport and there was a problem with planes and going to have to stay overnight. And I was in a line of people that were just ranting and raving at the poor airline clerk who was trying to make arrangements for people. And I thought, uh, you know, show a little compassion here. Seek the jewel in her, try and bring it out and, and share a word of kindness. So I walked up and I smiled when it was my turn. I said, you having a good day? And she just broke into this big smile and laughed. And I said, you know, I think you can help me out here maybe with a room or something. Let's see what we can do. And it was just a real calming experience for her in, in the midst of a lot of chaos. And we worked it through. And I just felt like uh, maybe I had a little positive effect on her life that day in the midst of all that chaos. And if we could approach like that and do things like that every day for people, it'd make the world a better place. And I think that's what Tony's brought to my life. Kind of like make our words sweet. We may have to eat them one day. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Is there anything on the horizons with you, either relating to the late Captain Tony or anything at all? I'm continuing to do some writing. I've got a couple of books I've been working on that are more novels. They may be a while coming. I'm just changing jobs right now and moving to a a job uh, from eastern Iowa to central Iowa. So that's something that I'm working on. But the family and I have talked about kind of a follow-up book maybe a year from now because one of the things I've learned is that everybody who met Tony has a story about Tony. And so we thought about taking uh, and doing kind of a chicken soup of your soul type of thing where we talk about stories that focus on compassion, stories that focus on seeking the jewel, and, and stories that focus on sharing a word of kindness, and just putting together a bunch of other people's stories about Captain Tony. So I don't know if that's going to happen yet or not, but it's something that we're talking about, and, and I think it'd be a neat project to do. I think people would appreciate that. That sounds fabulous. I, I would love to read a book like that. I can tell you when when we did the interview with Tony, I remember, I think I'm not alone in saying this, but when it was done, we all had this feeling like, again, it's going to sound cheesy, but we all had this feeling like we were not the same having heard his story. Yeah, yeah. He did that to people. And I, you know, I was in the office that day with you when you were doing the interviews, and it was an honor to meet you guys and sit in and, and hear that all. But that's just the way he impacted people. And uh, I've heard from all kinds of people that just met him for a few minutes and that have known him, uh, others that have known him for a, a long time. And uh, everybody was impacted by him. Everybody thinks that he made their lives better. You see that so much in his children when they talk about him and tell stories about him. At uh, TJ's wedding, there was a uh, little fire across from Captain Tony's. There was a palm tree that somebody somehow let on fire. And the fire trucks came down and they, all the kids said, that's daddy just letting us know that we're, that he's here and, uh, he's trying to block off the street so nobody interferes with TJ's reception. So <laughs> that's just how people thought about him. Yeah, that's the one thing you can say about Captain Tony. You, you really can't say Captain Tony was. You can only say Captain Tony is. Oh, absolutely. And that's put very well. I have one final question for you. This sure. broadcast is going out all over the world. So my last question. What would you like to say to everyone that's listening in? Well, you know, when you read the book, um, it's not a full biography. It doesn't go into all of the deep details of his life, but it goes into the heart of his soul. And I think if you read the book, you'll truly understand what Captain Tony meant to the world. Well, Brad, thank you very, very much for this interview. It's been a pleasure to speak to you. It's been my pleasure, too, and thank you so much for having me on. All right. Thank you, Brad. What is a good trip?
trivia question. I want to do a trivia question where the first person that that writes in and with an email. Can you think of one? When he was in Seattle, he had a baby with a woman, and what was her uh, ethnic background? Oh, I think yeah. that's a good one. Goodbye.